Blog Talk Radio. There is a watchman on the wall, bringing forth the written word of God to one and all. Are you getting ready? Will you stand or will you fall? Listen to the watchman on the wall. Listen to the watchman on the Rise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. A new day has dawned. All over the earth, men and women are arising. It's time for the sons of God to awake. It is a day of justice, recompense, Restoration, revival, and resurrection power. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. Great to be with you today. God bless you and welcome to our Tuesday morning gathering here at the Watchmen on New Wine Ministries. So I want to give you a little bit of information about where we're going, what we're doing this week, and hopefully some good direction uh, for what's happening. I just want to say that here we are coming into, or it's March 9th today, And we're running towards spring, and it has been an amazing year. It was this time last year that uh, the whole coronavirus thing uh, was presented to the world. And I am convinced in my spirit personally that the whole thing has been a distraction because I believe that the global community utilized an event, uh, exploited it, uh, magnified it, so that there could be implementation to their new world order plans uh, that are absolutely purposed. Along the way, a little population reduction and uh, eliminated some of the, the, you know, the less fortunate people that walk on the planet that to them are not worthy to uh, remain. Um, I truly believe, without being dramatic, I truly, with the Holy Spirit, uh, wisdom, discernment, I believe that the hoax is still on. It began last year, and I believe that God knew it was a hoax, and God said that there was a meaning behind it, a spiritual meaning. And Father, while they were implementing their plans to um, 
get things going in the direction of the globalist community that hated President Donald J. Trump, who have fostered a hatred in the minds of the masses within our nation and around the world, who supported Donald J. Trump. Now this hatred has been uh, the new narrative of the day that anybody that is a white conservative that doesn't renounce their whitehood or doesn't renounce their conservatism or their biblicity or uh, their Donald Trump appreciation, if you are any of those, you are the enemy of the state and you are the targeted uh, body, which is really unfortunate for them because they may put that narrative out there, but to execute their judgment, I believe, is going to be a very sad day for them. I truly believe that. Um, you know, you could, you could poke your stick at the sleeping bear as long as you want to, or you could taunt the uh, lion in the forest as much as you want to, but when you awaken uh, that beast, if you will, you're going to pay the price. And I believe that the sleeping giant in America today uh, are those who belong to the republic, those who are Christians and conservatives, and whether they are white, red, yellow, black, or green, they are anybody, well, not so much green, but uh, those that really love the Lord, love this country, understand that the founding fathers of this nation constructed a constitution for a moral and religious people who alone would be able to maintain the constitutionality of this country. And I believe that the sleeping masses are going to be further awakened by the taunting of the people in this country. Now, whether or not the globalists are inspiring the narrative and the the puppeteers are here in this country just speaking forth their garb, if you will, regardless you're going to awaken something, and it's going to be a very intense and sad day for those who have. So I believe that, but I also believe that uh, a time of judgment is in our nation. I absolutely believe beyond the shadow of a doubt everything going on in this country is judgment. A house divided cannot stand. Well, how did we become divided? Because of our sin. And so in my understanding of Bible prophecy, Judgment has been on the United States of America for a long time, and the labor pains have begun. I believe they're going to accelerate. They're going to intensify. But I believe that the judgments that have been here, particularly since 9-11-2001, have been intended by God to wake up the moral righteousness within our nation and to share with us that we're traveling down the wrong path the wide road that leads to destruction. And I truly believe that God has allowed the 9-11 event. He allowed the storms to hit the uh, nation, the fires, the floods. I mean, everything. Let us not forget. Let us not forget. Maybe we should slow this down a little bit for people that really want to walk through what has happened here uh, since 9-11-2001. I mean, we're 20 years down the road this coming September. So for the past 20 years, we can see that judgment particularly has hit the United States of America. And we remember, let's walk through it for just a moment, hadn't planned to, but let's do it. And then we'll get into the word of God. Um, Number one, 9-11-2001, it was a September morning, Tuesday, blue skies, beautiful day in New York City. And we woke up to what? Twin Towers being destroyed. Now, for those of you 
who are new to this broadcast, I want to remind you or share with you, and those of you that already know this, just a memory of why we are on radio, why Vincent Xavier gets on here every day and does what he does, or gets behind a pulpit or through a Bible study or whatever. The reason why we have continued on in this ministry for 29 years now, but for the last 20 some odd years, we have been warning this nation. And I want to tell you why. Because on September 3rd, 2001, that's eight days before the 9-11 event, I was with two brothers, Michael and Paul, who could verify this. I mean, they're here. They could get on the radio today, on the air, and verify this. That on September 3rd, 2001, I was speaking at a conference in Kremlin, Colorado. Kremlin, Colorado is about <clears throat> due north from Vail, Colorado, and maybe a little bit west the direction. It's an outdoorsman's resort uh, for snowmobiles and hunting and all of that. Bill and Marcia Burns <clears throat> were the pastors of a ministry in Crumbling, Colorado. And I used to write a lot and they would put my writings on their website. We did that for a couple of years. And then they invited me to come and be a speaker. They called me the point man. I would come to the conference and I just had, you know, a word that would set the stage and go forward. And, and God used that very wonderfully. Well, on September 3rd, we had just left a conference, Michael, Paul, and I, and we were traveling to Denver, Colorado to meet with a brother by the name of John who worked for United Airlines. John worked in the midnight or the graveyard shift working on the mechanical issues of airplanes. He was a mechanic for the airplanes. And he had access and worked upon the flight simulators. And so one day on September 3rd, uh, after midnight, so it's early in the morning, September 3rd, we were invited to go into the flight simulators of, uh, these are the multi-million dollar flight simulators, and we were invited to get into the cockpit and fly these planes where the pilots actually trained for. Now, Brother Michael was excited about that because he always loved the idea of flying, wants to fly, and he got in there and he was the first one out, I believe, and he flew from Hawaii because his background is Hawaiian and, and Filipino. He lived in Hawaii. So he was in this multi-million dollar flight simulator and he took off and he flew around and it was an amazing experience. And when he was done, brother Paul got in there and Paul was from the Bay Area. So he took the flight and he flew out of the Bay Area, flew all around. He stayed in there and had an incredible time. And these flight simulators are amazing because they shake when they roll. And it's just like flying a real plane. And there's the cockpit in front of you. Well, around three o'clock in the morning, it was my turn to fly. I was born and raised in Jersey City, New Jersey. And so I got in the cockpit of the plane and I started flying out of Newark, New Jersey. I flew over Jersey City, over Hoboken. I went over the Hudson River into New York. And I'm now flying around. I went a little bit north into the, uh, <coughs> excuse me, Central Park area. And then I turned around and I started heading south. And I just got bored. I don't know what I did. I just got bored. And I noticed the Twin Towers on September 3rd, 2001, were south of me. So I took my plane, just kind of goofing around, being a little bit bored, and I flew the airplane directly into 
the Twin Towers. And when I had crashed into the Twin Towers, we all went, ha, ha, ha. That was the end of the day. Well, eight days later, on 9-11-2001, when airplanes were flown into the Twin Towers, I began to cry out to God. And I, my brothers were there. I mean, I, I went down to a, a K, um, K praise in uh, La Jolla, where I had been on radio, started my radio ministry on AM radio in La Jolla, California, before going to KBRT, which is all over Los Angeles, K-Bright. And I went down and talked to the news manager, and I, we, we, we were there. Just this amazing event had just happened. And so I remember crying out to God, how is it possible that I was sitting in an airplane, a, a flight simulator, eight days earlier, and I took my airplane, and I flew it into the Twin Towers. And I said, God, why? What is that? And I heard the Lord say to me, I am talking to my people all the time, but very few are listening. He said, from this day forward, I want you to pay attention to every little thing that comes out of your mouth. I want you to pay attention to your little actions, your goofing arounds. I want you to pay attention. And to me, that was the call of God upon my life to be a watchman, to sit upon the wall and watch everything. The Lord was telling me to listen to my own words, to watch what I was doing, to be observant all around me. And so having this experience, I began to continue to write. And then radio opened up and I was on KBRT, which was all over Los Angeles, down into San Diego, Rich Agazzino, Paul McGuire. Paul McGuire was on before me when I went on the air and we would just minister. And men like Mark, who you'll hear in, uh, when he calls into this broadcast, for our friend from Mexico, and Benjamin Baruch, uh, these men joined me in the radio studio, and we used to just bring the word of the Lord. But uh, this is one of the reasons why I do what I do, because I've had an experience, and I recall that since 9-11-2001, we began to warn the nation. And I remember that we were saying things like the alarm sounded on 9-1-1 and the nation woke up for a moment, but then men reached over and they shut, uh, hit the snooze button. We went back to sleep and then we'd see another event happen. And before you know it, now we're writing prophetically. I wrote thousands of pages of prophecy in that season. And I have friends that have actually compiled those prophecies into a book, but they're now, you know, we're talking 20 years ago, 18 years ago, 16 years ago, a lot of writing. And as we were writing, the warnings kept coming. And then the storms, we, were, we would say, we would write something prophetically. And then we, sometimes within hours, sometimes within days, sometimes within weeks, and sometimes those words haven't even been fulfilled yet. And I believe they will have their time of fulfillment. And one of the things we learn in prophetic ministry, especially in writing, which is a gift that God gave me, my pastor spoke that into my heart. I, was, I, I went to seven high schools. I went to 15 different elementary schools. I was not your class A student. I went through high school because of sports. I graduated because I was an athlete, et cetera, et cetera. But writing was not my deal. But when I got born again and God gave me a gift and my pastor spoke into my life, I began to write and I didn't stop. I would just be going about my business. All of a sudden, an unction would come on me. I'd get behind the computer, and I'd start writing, and two pages later, there's a prophetic word. I would send them out. I'd put them on the Internet, and there was a time when we were getting over 3 million hits on our writings, and a lot of things that we were writing were coming to pass. 
Okay, so this is the journey of why we do what we do. Now, think about this. Since 9-11-2001, we've had this, and that's 2001. By the time February 2003 came around, let me just tell you this part of the story. In Feb, by February 2003, what I used to do, we lived in a house in California, and right across the street was a huge open field, and then you would climb up to the top of what was known as Black Mountain. And if anybody's in San Diego, you know Black Mountain. It's one of the highest peaks in that area. And I used to take my shofar, and I used to walk across the street probably three or four times a week, and I would go hiking through the open field, and then I would make the ascent up to the top of the mountain. And I would be praying and singing along the way. And then when I'd get to the top of the mountain, I would sound my shofar to the north, the east, the south, and the west. And I'd prophesy and pray and do whatever I was doing. And this was really kind of a ritual I did every single week, several times a week. And it was interesting at the end, uh, when I first got the call to go on radio, I realized at the top of Black Mountain, there was a radio tower and I was sounding forth at the top of a mountain, which I didn't know. Well, by the time February, 2003 came around, I was walking through a park and it was, uh, at near one of the lakes in San Diego, Lake Hodges. If anybody knows San Diego, I used to walk through Lake Hodges again with my shofar. And in February of 2003, as I was walking through the park, I heard these words, do not pray for America anymore. Rather pray for my people that they will have the ability to navigate through the times that are coming upon the earth. I heard that just like you're hearing me speak it right now. And I went back and I wrote it down and I thought, my God, God just told me not to pray for America. Well, that was very unpopular. And the Lord also said, and this was interesting of a confirmation, not only do not pray for America, but pray for my people. He said, America has crossed the point of no return. That's what he spoke into my spirit. When I went home, it was around the same time uh, where, I don't know, within days or weeks, that the gentleman in Alabama that went to jail or they took down the, uh, the Ten Commandments, and I remember Patricia sitting at the table. She buried her head in her hands when we heard that the Ten Commandments were taken out of the halls of justice in Alabama. And she said, we've just crossed the point of no return. I never told her what God had told me, but I heard her say it. And then there was another confirmation. So since February 2003, I ceased to pray for America. But I needed a confirmation. I said, Lord, if this is your word, that has got to be in the book. And what did I find? Three times in the book of Jeremiah, God told the prophet Jeremiah, do not pray for this nation. And then in John chapter 17, Jesus said, Lord, I do not pray for the world, but I pray for those who are mine. And that's the paraphrase in John 17. So I got confirmation in both the Old Testament and New Testament. There comes a time where God says not to pray. Well, obviously, I wasn't really invited to a, a lot of prayer meetings, and my friends thought, you know, you know, the Bible says lift up and holy hands and, and pray for kings and Timothy and all that. And I said, listen, I've got an instruction. I'm not praying for America anymore. 
It has crossed the point of no return, but I will pray for the saints of God in this country that they'll be able to navigate through the times that are coming. That was my assignment. And lo and behold, that was in 2003. Here we are in the year 2021, and America has never returned to the nation it once was. And you cannot say that America is the same as it was then. I mean, we weren't filling our schools with LGBT curriculum. We weren't having men marry men and women marry women. We weren't in the debacle that we're, no, 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 no. It has never returned. And God said it has crossed the point of no return. So I've always held in my spirit a belief that America has crossed the point of no return. It'll never be the great nation it once was. And even when Donald Trump came in to make it a great nation, we're still in the same muck and mire, the sewerage of our polluted atmosphere, our depraved mindset. We have leaders in our country that are so blasphemous and evil, it'll never be the same. And I know that. So I know that all the judgments that have been going on were designed to turn the nation back to God, particularly God's people. But instead of turning back, we've gone further into destruction and are being turned over now to wrath. I really believe that with all of my heart. And that's not me being judgmental. I believe this was God's foreknowledge that we, like every other nation before us, who followed the same pattern of ancient empires that were once great, but then condescended to licentiousness and wickedness, they all met with the same fate. Nothing new about America. In fact, America would receive a double portion of the righteous judgment of God, just like Israel did, because we knew better. I mean, twice in our country, we were told by the Supreme Court that we were a Christian nation. We know better. We grew up with churches, not mosques. We grew up with the Bible, not a Koran. We grew up knowing the will of God in our country. Now, since 2003, more prophetic words came, and we began to prophesy. I just don't want you to forget this. So as prophecy was going forth, it was about the the destruction that was going to begin to hit the nation. We saw in 2003, 2004, massive storms hit the eastern seaboard of the United States and the southern, southeastern seaboard of the United States. Devastating storms we've never seen before. And then 2005, August, Hurricane Katrina. And I want to pause for a moment. I want to explain something more to you about why we do what we do. Why are we here in Arkansas? I was born in Jersey City. I lived in San Diego for 34 years. Why are we in Arkansas? Well, in May of 2005, I was invited to speak at a conference near Branson, Missouri. But the place was like five or 10 minutes from a place called Eureka Springs, Arkansas. When my mother, who was alive at that time, told, uh, knew I was going to uh, Missouri and I was near Arkansas, she said, you need to call your Uncle Paul, her brother, and you need to let him know you're coming. I hadn't seen Uncle Paul in 20 years. And so I made the phone call, and it turns out he's like 10 or 15 minutes from this conference center. And so he invites Patricia and I to come out. And so I go to this conference. And I'm speaking there. I'm going to tell you a little bit more of a detailed story to show you the hand of God and what he's been doing in this ministry. We go to this conference, and I think it was called the Claycroft Conference Center. And uh, it's a three-day conference. And it was every night there were these musicians. They were violinists. They were pianists. They played the harp. 
and their worship took everything to another level. And I love worship. And they brought forth a sound. That sound resonated with my heart. And every time we went into praise and worship, I would start singing prophetically and they would keep playing prophetically. And it was amazing. Well, I want you to remember that part of the story. These incredible musicians that were playing their incredible instruments. And it was my turn to speak, and I spoke out there a message, and everything was good. After the conference, Patricia and I went to stay with my Uncle Paul. Uncle Paul lived on Holiday Island in a really a beautiful three-story house that was overlooking Table Rock Lake. And so I stayed on for an extra week. Patricia went back to San Diego. Uncle Paul and I were fishing every day, playing golf every day, and we were traveling. They were only five miles from Eureka Springs. So Aunt June, who played the organ and the piano at these Presbyterian churches, et cetera, et cetera, every day, regardless of what we did, we were going to Eureka Springs. And we'd have dinner there. I went to the Passion Play. I mean, they have a huge Passion Play, the the major cross. And, you know, it's just amazing. So we were everyday traveling. And then we were always eating catfish or something in Eureka Springs. So I, for one week, was immersed in that area. I'd never been there before. And it was an awesome week. Well, after the week was up, I went back to California. This was in May of 2005. I was then invited to come and speak in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and there was a conference going on there, and I was invited to speak, and my turn to speak was on Saturday night, and so now I'm in Lake Charles, Louisiana, uh, Mike Devereaux, Pastor Mike Devereaux, he was a black pastor, and it was a lot of black churches, and I was assigned to minister a third-day message, very upbeat, very positive And I remember we went golfing. The pastor took us all golfing Saturday morning. And I remember it because I remember I hit an eagle. It was a par five, and I made it in two shots. It was crazy. And I was jumping all over the the golf course. Anyways, on the way back, I was with Pastor Mike. We're driving down, and I realized I did not have a suit jacket. It was for that Saturday night I was speaking. So he was driving me to a five and dime where I could get a cheap jacket And while he's driving, I'm looking out the window, and all of a sudden, in a vision, I see water everywhere. I thought, maybe revival. And I looked at him, and I said, there's a cleansing coming, Pastor Mike. I just saw the water is all over this place. There's a cleansing coming. Well, I got up Saturday night. It's my turn to speak. And all my notes went out the window. And rather than a positive, upbeat message... My spirit was so overwhelmed by the Spirit of God and grieved, I brought forth a word of warning, a word of judgment. I said, I don't know what you people are doing here, what's going on with your churches, but there's something wrong here. And if you don't repent, there's going to be judgment. Well, I didn't make any friends that night. As a matter of fact, not one person came up to me except for one gentleman. At the end of my meeting, this very tall black man, about six foot eight, had a big afro, came up to me and he looked at me and he said, you really believe what you're saying? And I looked up at him and I said, yes, sir, I do. He said, you walk in your talk? I said, sir, by the grace of God, I'm walking my talk. I'm doing the best I can. He said, well, we need to talk. 
And so the next day, which was Sunday, while the meeting was still going on, he and his wife and I were in the parking lot. And for four hours, me and this man I've never met before and I have never met again, for four hours we were standing in that parking lot and he was sharing with me things that some things I never heard, some things I thought were, that's absolutely outlandish, other things I was aware of. It was about the Islamic invasion that was coming and the, the owners of gas stations, they're all waiting for the sound. And he got into some deep, deep, deep stuff. And it was stuff that I kind of knew a little bit about, but he, he said this. Now, at the end of the four-hour conversation, this man looks at me and he says to me, now, when everything collapses, do you know where to go? And I looked at him and I was very proud. And I said, sir, none of these things move me. I'm not afraid of any of that. I'll be standing in Mount Zion with the King of glory. I was so proud of my answer. I felt, wow, that, that's a good answer. And he looked at me and he said, well, that's nice. But do you know where to go when everything collapses in this country? And the Holy Spirit checked me and said, honor this man and answer his question. So I kind of looked up at him and I said, well, no, I've never really thought about going anywhere. And that's when he began to explain to me in August of 2005 about a place called Eureka Springs, Arkansas. He told me that there was a 100-year-old prophecy that when the end of America would come, that it would be surrounded by troops from China and Russia, and there would be so much chaos and confusion in this country, and many saints of God would make their way into the Midwest, and they would find their way. And there was a prophecy concerning this Eureka Springs that many Christians would be pouring into that region. And while war would begin to break out in this country, and it would become a global thing, that the Spirit of the Lord would be poured out where these Christians were gathered, and there'd be an outpouring of the Spirit and the anointing of God. And he went on and on, and I thought, wait a second. Did you just say Eureka Springs, Arkansas? He said, that's it. And I said, I was just there in the month of May. I was there a couple of months ago. I was all over Eureka Springs, Arkansas. I know the area, and it's a pretty incredible area. And I said, I got it, because that was like the third confirmation of how God had been speaking to me. So I went back to California, and by the way, it was just two weeks later that Hurricane Katrina hit, and the word of judgment to that region came, and the streets of Lake Charles, Louisiana were flooded, and Katrina means a cleansing. So when I was telling Pastor Mike a cleansing's coming, it was Katrina and the streets were flooded, and judgment hit that area of our country. Well, that all happened in 2005. I went back to California, and I told our church we had been pastoring full-time for 17 years by that, by that point. And I told them, I said, listen, when God tells me to go to leave California, I know where I'm going. And I shared with the church what I just shared with you, what happened, and I shared with them the other confirmations. So I had this knowing in 2005 <clears throat> that October 
I want to tell you the whole story. Uh, so right after the Hurricane Katrina in August, in October of 2005, we, God put on my heart that we were to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. And so I invited people from Arkansas that were at the conference. I invited people from all over the country. We had Kaz Rakowski from the water cooler was there. He preached on the Tabernacle of David. So we all got on a big, huge celebrity ship. We left the port in Long Beach, and we cruised all the way down to Alcapoco, Mexico, and we had a conference room on the ship, and for seven days, we celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles on that cruise line going all the way to Alcapoco and back. It was phenomenal, and we met all these people from Arkansas and Missouri for when I spoke at the conference back in May of 2005. So, we had people come on, and the people on the ship were telling Patricia and I about this church building they were going to build in northwest Arkansas. And I was listening with half an ear because I wasn't even thinking about anything. They were telling us about land, and then that guy from Chips, uh, Estrada, Eric Estrada, was on the commercials every day about Bella Vista, Bella Vista, Arkansas, and that you could buy land and come for a free cruise and all that stuff. That was all going on at this time. Well, I began to make my trips back and forth to Northwest Arkansas. I began to come back here in 2006, 2007, 2008, a few trips back and forth. I came with friends uh, who actually had a product in Walmart. And this is one of the trips where Billy and Don and Paul and I, we met in Bentonville, Arkansas at the Global Distribution Center, the number one guy for food distribution around the world with Walmart. They knew him for when they had the product in. They wanted to get another product in. So we're in this little cubicle, the, the five of us, uh, Don, Billy, Paul, me, and the gentleman, the number one global distribution guy for food around the world. And they're talking business. And of course, I'm there and I open my mouth and, and I talk about Jesus Christ. And then I start, you know, why are you guys here? Well, I'm here for this reason. I don't care about getting a product in Walmart. I'm looking because God has put in my heart that we're going to be coming here because the end times are coming. And I'm sharing with this guy. All of a sudden, he's got tears rolling down his eyes. And everything gets really quiet and hush-hush. And he says, I'm telling you, not too many years from now, the food quality in America will be just like a third world country and he began to divulge some information, and he just, that was it. <clears throat> All these things were happening. And then it was in 2009 that God opened the door, and we moved into northwest Arkansas. And we began to do the work that God put in my heart to do. And God did amazing things. That's all I'm going to say in helping us to prepare and so we've been, we've been kind of doing our work, continued to pastor, got on radio here with our congressman's father, and for seven years we're preaching the word of God, and now we're where we're at here today. The interesting thing, when we moved here, we showed up on October 4th, 2009. This is before God Almighty. We drove across country. We had people following us. I think 18 people from California wound up moving into this region. They all assimilated, got their jobs, did their thing. Well, we showed up on October 4th, and when we got to our property, 
we realized, well, we, we need to go shopping. And so we went to the major Walmart shopping center, the big one in Bentonville. And so we drove down there and we all went into the store and we scattered and everybody's shopping, you know, Patricia's getting things and everybody's getting their stuff. And so we're shopping while we're online checking out, I'm talking to a sheriff and I'm just kind of, you know, yeah, we just got here from California today and we're just moving into the region, blah, blah, blah. Well, we're walking out across the parking lot. Patricia and I, I'm rolling the basket. And this woman behind us is shouting at us, excuse me, excuse me. We turn around and Patricia looks at her and says, how can we help you? And she said, I'm so sorry, but I was listening to you while you were online saying that you just moved into this region and I just wanted to welcome you. And we thought, wow, that's kind of odd. You know, you don't get that in California. So I just wanted to welcome you. And by the conversation I heard, uh, it sounds like you may be believers. Oh, yes. Patricia said, my husband is a pastor. Oh, really? And what is, what is your name? Well, I'm Vincent Xavier. And she looked at us with this look. You're the people from California that just moved here? And you're Vincent Xavier, your pastor, Vincent? Yes, I'm Carolyn Bus, and she's yelling at her husband now, Scott, Scott, and Scott's parked in the car, and he gets out, and he's like, what's going on? She said, you were speaking in May of 2005 at that conference near Missouri, near Branson. We were playing, Scott was playing the violin, and I was playing the piano. You were singing prophetically, and we've been praying for you ever since. And I'm thinking, my God, what an amazing thing. The day we showed up here at that exact moment, and they're telling us we don't ever shop at this Walmart, but today God told us to come here. And we're walking across, and this woman meets us, not knowing us from anywhere. And this is Scott and Carolyn Bus, the people that were playing the musical instruments. And it was as though God was just putting his signature about our move because we were thinking, are we crazy? We're leaving beautiful San Diego, California to come to Northwest Arkansas. Are you kidding me? Patricia didn't even know where this place was. She, you know, we all had our images, but that's the day we showed up. God brought those people. And that has been such a strength to us. And during the past 11 and a half years we've been here, this October will be 12 years. So we've been here all this time. And through the trials that have come and the doubts that would try to rise, God kept show, bringing us back to this. I have signatured this. I have signatured this. You're on the right path. You're doing the right thing. And all these years, the stories like these keep showing up. When we left California, one of our intercessors, our lead intercessor, her name is Diane. She may be listening right now from California. Diane told us, and when I say a lead intercessor, I'm talking about a diligent intercessor that prayed for our ministry, and she, was, she led worship uh, in, in intercession for years in our church. And before we left California, when she heard we were leaving, she said, I want you to look up a couple. He works for Walmart, but he's a believer. He and his wife, I want you to look them up. And she gave us the name. 
Well, a few months would pass and Diane would contact us. Have you looked them up yet? No, we were so busy. I won't even begin to tell you how busy things were. And I was walking through the fire. You know, I, there was so much going on. A year would go by. Did you contact? Did you meet these people? No. Two years. Three years. Have you called these people? Have you contacted them? No. One weekend. By the way, on the ship, when we were taking the cruise and all those people were talking about a building, Scott and Carolyn are now occupying that building that wasn't built when we were on the ship. They were talking about it. And that's where we gather now. Mamma mia. Unbelievable. Well, now, let me get my train of thought again where I just was. Where was I? So, a weekend, now Scott and Carolyn host this uh, spring tea every year because they teach music and they have these concerts every year to raise funds. It's called spring tea. So, three years into this journey, we're now occupying the building that wasn't there that they were talking about on the ship in 2005. Now it's built and we're in it. Mamma mia. So we're there. And I remember Mr. B, my father-in-law, he and I were sitting in the back and they had all these tables, beautiful atmosphere, the music's playing, and all these young people are about to share their gift. And And they had cookies on the table. And Mr. B and I would eat the cookies and try not to get caught by Patricia. She didn't like us eating cookies. And so we would be sneaking. And then I notice as I'm eating a cookie with Mr. B, people are getting packed out. This man gets up and walks by me. And uh, there's a brief eye contact and a little nod. And he seemed to be a pretty jovial guy. And he's walking around and he comes back and uh, he's walking past again and we have this little hello moment and how are you? And he loves to talk to people. You could talk to anybody, anywhere at any time. And so we're starting to talk a little bit. And uh, now the conference goes on and we reconnect after this. And before you know it, they want to know what our church is. They were going there. They were, uh, uh, Peggy was learning his wife from Carolyn music and they wanted to visit our church. They wound up visiting our church. Long story short, This is Ken and Peggy. Who are they? They're the people that Diane had been saying for three years. Have you met these people? Have you called them yet? I never called them, so God arranged it for us to meet at this place. Signature. God's signature. We know that, and they are pastors today, ready to start and launch their own ministry, their own home ministry. And we are the best of friends. And what God did was absolutely amazing. Signature. Every step along the way, God has confirmed that we are on the right path. We are doing the right thing with the right people right now. We are on target. We are doing the right thing. And we have been witnessing what God has been doing. Now, I didn't want to buy, this is all going on to 2009, right? And then all these years go by, we're preaching, we're teaching, we're on radio, we're having Bible studies, we're seeing God move the deliverance ministry, we're seeing people get delivered from demons, we're seeing people get healed. We watch people leave the planet, elderly people, sorrow in our heart. We never knew. When we were pastors for 17 years, nobody ever died in our ministry, never. And so it was uh, watching these elderly people that would come to the church and then they would pass away. And that was very bothersome to us. We didn't like that at all. And so 
But it was part of the journey, and one of the elders would say, brother, that's just the way it is. We're getting older now, and, and uh, you know, but I'm, it, it was kind of one of those things. So we're doing this work. Now, listen, all along, God has been speaking. Do not pray for this country. Pray for the saints. Go and prepare an ark. Get it ready. He, he leads us to this region divinely. I didn't pick it out on a map and use my, you know, prowess to find out the best place because here's the resource. No, I just was led by the Holy Spirit. So we get here. Then what happens? All of a sudden, 2014 and 2015 come around. You know what happened. 2014 on Passover, a blood red moon. Nothing really unique about that in and of itself, except for 2014 in the fall. Tabernacles, another blood red moon. Passover 2015, another blood red moon. Tabernacles 2015, a fourth blood red moon. And four blood red moons back to back on feast days was known as a tetrad. They had happened in times past, and every time it happened, significant events took place on this earth. Wow. And we're sitting here watching a tetrad of blood red moons and they normally meant israel in 1492 was now being exodus out of spain uh there are other events that happened along the way so we're seeing these blood red moons hit signs in the moon 2016 comes around a solar eclipse hits our nation from oregon all the way to south carolina a direct line to the very center of our nation. Seven towns called Salem or Peace. It crosses a solar eclipse, a sign in the sun. So we have four blood red moons, a sign in the sun, September 23rd, 2017. Jerusalem, Israel, the sign of Revelation 12 appears in the sky. A woman clothed with the sun, Virgo. The sun is upon her. The crown of 12 stars with Leo had nine and three planets joined on that night, September 23rd. And we're all watching this. Jupiter being birthed out of the matrix. The very Revelation chapter 12 sign in the stars. So now we have 2014, 2015, a sign in the moon. 2016, a sign in the sun. 2017, a sign in the stars. And we go back to Genesis 1.14 and we hear that God put the sun, moon, and stars for signs and seasons. Wow, for oaths and for moeds, warnings, signals, red banners, and for feast days. My God, this is happening. So the calendar of God in the heavens is sending a signal to the people on the earth and those who are aware are looking up and they're going, okay, the heavens are sending a signal to us. Something's coming. And then we get into 2018, 2019, the turmoil continues, more upgraded natural disasters, three massive hurricanes, fires burning in California, the world is going crazy, Australia is burning on fire, riots start to break out all over the country, distress, and all of a sudden, a global lockdown, a global lockdown filled with pandemic Death, sickness, disease. And then George Floyd. The powder keg blows. 
all year long, burning buildings, burning businesses, anarchy, murder, killing, destruction, fires, taking over cities. The greatest election in American history with controversy 2016 with all those signs happening the election of Donald J. Trump the flipping, the hatred the animosity, the enmity, the never ending Trump haters goes on and on and on turmoil, turmoil, turmoil and here we are we have one Spiritual, prophetic understanding at this moment, what we're now preparing for. We already nailed the four waves. Remember, the judgment would come in four waves. Leviticus 26, God would send judgments, and they would always be several judgments to one phase. So we were saying back in March last year that there will be four waves that will hit this nation in this particular phase of judgment. And every phase of judgment gets stronger and stronger. Well, the coronavirus was the first one. We knew that about that wave. But then we called it before it happened that the next wave would be anarchy and civil disobedience. Then the George Floyd thing happened. Then we saw the anarchy and civil disobedience. But at the same time we called that, we said the third wave will be the wave of war. And then the fourth wave would be the lights out. Well, we saw the first two waves. And now their dreams are coming in. Visions are coming in. The prophetic word is in the atmosphere, established in the word of God. War is going to come. Waves, uh, visions of uh, tsunami waves, wars, things being tipped over and tilted like Noah's Ark when the flood came and the waters were tipping that ship, but it didn't flip and they didn't die. Turmoilous times are coming. War is coming. And right now there's an article about what's going on in the Middle East. Everything is being set in place for a major war to break out in the Middle East. But when will China, when will Russia, when will the United States, when will South America engage? When is this war coming? I go all the way back to 2005 when that man said to me, war will break out. Chinese troops will be in America. Russian troops will be in America. Dmitry Dudeman's prophecy that there would be internal strife within our nation like we're witnessing, then would come the war. So everything is lining up in Bible prophecy. And the purpose of all this was not to pray for America, but to warn the people of God to prepare for what is coming so that they would be in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing with the right people right now. Now, people through the years have made their choices, whether they're going to stay, whether they're going to delay. Will there be lingering lots? Well, by the mercy and grace of God, so many of our friends from around the country have come to Northwest Arkansas. Family has come. I think there's only one or two family members left across the country that haven't entered into Northwest Arkansas yet. Friends are coming and they're all coming in. And we've been watching this, you know, the, these last moment people. And I always remember the story that was told me about Nazi Germany. The cry went out and many people, when they first heard the cry, heard they sold everything, converted it to diamonds, left Germany and went and started a brand new life with lots of room. Then it got a little closer and some people lingered, but they left like lot, lingering lot, the last moment, but they didn't have much. And then the rest got caught in the snare. 
Something's ready to happen in our country. God has moved us by his spirit. God is the one that set Vincent Xavier on this wall to be a watchman and to declare. Have we missed it at times? Yes, we've missed it because Vincent Xavier and his immaturity put a date on something. The thing that I should never have done was put a date. And I did, and I missed it. And man, it broke me for five years. I had to walk through the fire. But God healed that. He knew the intention of my heart. It wasn't to be a pretender or to speak on purpose to deceive anybody. I believe that Washington, D.C. will be destroyed. I still believe it, but it's in God's timing. It's in God's timing. That's probably much closer now than when I first believed that in 2009. I believe God revealed that was going to happen. I still believe that there will be 7 to 15 nuclear devices going off in 7 to 15 major cities across this country, whether they be dirty bombs or nuclear bombs. I believe the major cities in America are yet to be destroyed. They are reserved under the day of fire and judgment. I believe that. And I'm just talking about the United States. This is a global reality. I believe the book of Revelation has already begun. I believe that the seals have already opened. I believe we're waiting for certain things to shift the environment. I believe the word of God. I believe it's alive. I believe it's here. I believe that while we're waiting, we should be preparing. While we're waiting for biblical events to take place, we should be preparing that the pauses that we have and the pangs are opportunities for God's people to get ready and stop ignoring what has happened. You cannot ignore the last 20 years of judgment upon this nation and say, well, it's all over now. Things are better. No, they are worse than when we've ever believed. And that's the fact. And that's the truth. And I believe that with all of my heart. And my personal journey in all of this, God has kept this ministry. God has kept us close to his heart. God has protected us and defended us. God has humbled us. God has broken us, but he's done it for his own purpose. So what do we do? Every day, we're on radio or behind a pulpit, except one day a week, and that's Mondays. We just don't do anything. But this is it. Wake up, prepare. Get your arcs ready. Get in position. Stop saying, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah is such a beautiful place. I just want to hang out there. Stop it. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Stop playing games with God. Something big. It's a tsunami big in the realm of war is ready to take place. It's war. And somebody has already said, we're already at war. It's taking a different look than what we think about in World War I, World War II. But war. And this is not the kind of war that, oh, we're just going to go to battle. We're the heroes of the world. America is no longer the hero of the world. America is sin-stained, polluted, and vile. Let me give you an example of just how polluted and vile we are getting. Okay, let me read this article to you. This is the, uh, from Prophecy News Watch, and the title of this is The Gay BCs. Not the ABCs, the Gay BCs are in, and Dr. Seuss is out, right? Cancel culture. Here's the article. 
More than a decade ago, I purchased a number of gay-themed books for children, wanting to see what parents and educators were reading to their little ones. Recently, I became aware of the Gay BCs by M.L. Webb, published in 2019. And as extreme as any children's reader I have seen, yet these days, books like this are celebrated while the beloved Dr. Seuss is depreciated. The blurb for Webb's book joyfully proclaims, The Gay BCs is perfect for fans of A is for activists, and feminist baby. Showing kids and adults alike that every identity is worthy of being celebrated. Well, the suggested reading age is children four through eight. And the book contains lines like this. B is for bi, as in bisexual. And C is for coming out. And D is for drag. And N is for non-binary, and Q is for queer, and S is for sashi. I've even seen a video of a child well under four going through the pages of this book, pages which he had clearly memorized. What kind of madness is this? And what little child on the planet can possibly understand the meaning of these words and terms? Yet one professional reviewer stated the gay BCs should be required reading for all children. This is shameless and dangerous indoctrination. Yet books like this are considered fine and acceptable for our children. While Dr. Seuss must be purged. Talk about an upside down world. The American Library Association can even celebrate drag queen reading hour. For toddlers, no less, but Dr. Seuss's illustrations are too dangerous for children to view, with six of his books virtually erased. Seriously? Back in 2017, I appealed to Christian leaders to address LGBTQ issues with clarity, courage, and compassion. To paint a picture of what was happening in our society, I wrote... Drag queens are reading stories to our two-year-old children in libraries. Kindergartners are learning about being trans. Middle schoolers are encouraged to come out as gay without their parents knowing. College students have to share their PGPs, their preferred gender pronouns, at the start of each semester, as in, I'm Shannon, and my preferred gender pronouns are Z and Zer. And that was in 2017. Things have become even more entrenched and extreme today with stiffer penalties for those who dare to resist their agenda. That is what makes the purge of these Dr. Seuss books all the more absurd. As Al Parada commented on the stream, quote, the woke police are also not happy that of Dr. Seuss's human characters, only a small percentage are people of color. And yes, it is true that the few human characters of color are in stereotype subservient roles. Not good, but not surprising for the times. But isn't that our first clue to how far into the surreal their hunt goes for the scalp of Dr. Seuss? They have to distinguish human characters 
in his fantastical works from animals and creatures in order to cancel him, while ignoring his consistent message that all should be treated as equals. And this leads to an obvious question. Is it more dangerous for a little child to see pictures which might be possibly be considered racist, and perhaps only with explanation, than to be taught that being bisexual is cool, that drag queens are special, that they might be trans themselves? That's more dangerous. Well, we're now being warned that babies could be racist While elementary school children are instructed about the sinful degrees of whiteness. That's why the Dr. Seuss books must be removed from circulation, lest these impressionable children see racist images and become racist themselves. After all, what might happen to a child who sees pictures of Chinese-looking people eating with chopsticks? What kind of bigoted monster might he or she turn out to be? At the same time, it is perfectly fine. In fact, it is commendable for these same impressionable little children to be indoctrinated in the major LGBTQ activist talking points. Someone might say, have you seen the pictures for yourself? They really are quite racist. The truth be told, I haven't. Since the books are no longer available, Dr. Seuss has not just been shushed Six of his books have been banished, purged, canceled, disappeared. You cannot even buy these books on eBay, not because they have all been sold out, but because eBay has banned their sale, banned. Like a deadly poison, the general public cannot have access to something this dangerous. God forbid that eBay should play any role in making such highly toxic material available. Surely books like Mein Kampf and the protocols of the elders of Zion, which are readily available for purchase on eBay, are far less offensive than Dr. Seuss. This is the madness of today's PC culture. A culture that celebrates a teenager like Jazz getting sex change surgery on reality TV, thereby doing irreparable lifetime harm to herself while zealously canceling Dr. Seuss. This is the same culture that defends children who identify as transgender receiving potentially harmful hormone blockers, a culture that encourages trans-identified teenage girls to get full mastectomies, yet a culture that is hyper-concerned about the slightest possible race-based offense. There's a lot to say about that article, but I want to just tell you something, that what you just heard is a sliver of the reality that is operating in this country, a sliver. My friend from Oregon many years ago said to me, Pastor Vincent, I know you preach about a lot about Islamic terrorism but there's a greater force of violence that's going to hit the Christian community in America. It is the homosexual community. It is the LBGTQ community. They are going to become so militant. They are going to become so vile. They are going to integrate into every fabric of society. And if you resist them, you will be hated 
and you will be the target of their hatred. Four years old, five, six, seven, and eight years old children in our society are being educated. And the only way for that not to happen is to get your kids out of school, homeschool them, get them out. And even some Christian schools are tolerant and will eventually come under the power of this agenda. How do you feel about that? Kenneth Copeland, everybody knows Kenneth Copeland, on national television, global television, TBN, five nights ago, watched him with my own eyeballs, heard him with my own ears, was talking about how Christians should love their enemies. He said, we love our enemies, but if you touch my wife, I will kill you and then go and sleep like a baby that same night. This was Kenneth Copeland. I'm not sharing anything he didn't share. Globally, millions of people watching him, listening to him. He spoke and said, we love our enemies, but if you touch my wife or my family, I will kill you, and then I will go and sleep like a baby. So he was saying, we love our enemies, but if you do these things, we will kill you. People may have been shocked. Others said, Woo-hoo, we got the okay, because here's the deal. Yes, I want to protect my wife, my family, our church, my friends. Absolutely, I want to. I don't want any harm to come to them. I don't want to stand by while harm happens to them and do nothing. Now, if you're Patricia, she'll bind and rebuke and cast out the demonic spirit. We've got to catch up to that, right? But what about the little children in our society who are helpless, Now, let's talk for just another second. Uncomfortable conversation. Jeffrey Epstein, pedophile island. Jeffrey Epstein invited thousands of high-powered politicians from Bill Clinton and Hillary Clinton to John Roberts on the Supreme Court and thousands of others around the world to come to his island paradise to have sexual fantasies with girls that were underage, with young boys, and then the horrific reality exposed by Mel Gibson and others in Hollywood that the Hollywood elite and the political elite take little babies, babies, one, two, three years old, and terrify them and rape them in terror so that their blood and adrenaline would flow. And then at the right moment when they're terrified after raping them in this satanic ritual, they kill the babies and then they infuse their blood into themselves. Proven is going on. Now, what'd they do with Jeffrey Epstein's little island? He died in a maximum security prison. 
because the guards were shopping online. Swept it right under the carpet, never to be heard of again. You live in a sick society where little children are being murdered after violence and terror and their blood is making it like a coke, as free basing cocaine, getting a high like nothing else could ever get these people high and keep them young. This is going on. We live in this. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to talk about the grotesque homosexual community, the grotesque lesbian community. The church is told, wait a second, you need to love these people. And we do. We would minister to anybody that's been involved in any of these things. And they come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and get saved. Such were some of you. We're all in. But we're talking about people that hate God, hate Jesus Christ, blaspheme Jesus Christ, and do these things. And we, the people of the United States of America, do nothing? And I'm going to say it again. All got ears to hear, I'm going to say it again. January 6th in Washington, D.C., the left has created a narrative that it was the worst day in American history. The mobsters, the terrorists, the rioters went to Washington, D.C. <gasps> January 6th, they went into the Capitol building. There were over a million people there. I was one of them. I didn't go into the Capitol building. Maybe a couple of hundred people got involved out of a million. That's like one-tenth of a tenth of a percent. Most of them Antifa instigators and agitators and BLM leaders and a few people that got involved in the stink of it all. Sure, it really happened. Not one car was set on fire. One window was broken that we saw by the guy in Capitol building. But in comparison to nine months of burning buildings, looters, rioting, going into stores, stealing, punching, kicking, defecating, taking over city blocks, fires burning, raging, January 6th, a couple of hundred people out of a million, a million beautiful, quiet, peaceful protesters who did nothing but go to support their president, who did not tell me, I was there, I never heard him say, go and do damage, never. Go peacefully protest. And the left took what they did on January 6th, and now everybody that was there or a part of that movement, we are now terrorists, according to the left. And I say to your narrative, I rebuke it. You're liars. You're liars and you're murderers and you're thieves. Your narrative is bull-oni, bull-oni, hogwash. Your narrative is a lie, and I won't shut up about that. I was there. I know. I saw what they projected as being the worst day, and to criminalize now what should have happened because they, they have done this, what should have happened, and what should happen is now those same million people should go back and absolutely overwhelm Washington, D.C. That's what should happen. You want to accuse everybody that supported the president? You want to accuse people of being terrorists that went to back up their president? You want to create that narrative 
then the only right thing to do, you murdering baby people, you homosexual, lesbian, pedophile, grotesque monsters, the only right thing is for every American to go to Washington, D.C. and overwhelm it and take over every single building and arrest those people, every one of them, until they're gone. We, the people of the United States, have a declaration of independence. When this kind of blasphemous leadership comes to a nation, it is your responsibility, yea, your duty, to get them out. Now, folks, they've made you afraid. They've terrified Christians everywhere. They tell you not to go to church. You don't go to church. They tell you to wear a mask. You wear a mask. They tell you you can't sing. In your church, you don't sing. You had your nice little meetings on Zoom. Because we got to obey the government. What kind of government are you following in America? The Constitution of the United States was for a moral and righteous people alone. This kind of blood shedding, blood drinking, blasphemous, communistic, far left progressive leadership. They're not, you look at them, you see fat Jerry Nadler. The Bible has no place in our House of Representatives. Really? Really? You pompous purpose. You know, in the Old Testament, oh, nobody wants to talk about the Old Testament. The children of Israel would have already taken over Washington, D.C. and hung these people so that everybody would fear because that's what God told Moses to do. Who are these people? Joe Biden? Uh, okay, well, the thing is, uh, we got to do, a, what, what, what am I doing here? Nancy, anything you say, Nancy, I'll do it. Who are these people? Who are they? And the church is coming under their power. The right thing to do, now that they've accused us of it, on January 6th, go to D.C., they should have broke into every building and taken over the positions of power and arrested every one of them until they heard the case that Mike Lindell brought up, facts, evidence, everything was right there. And they should have had martial law. Nobody moves until this case is presented about the fraud of the election on January 6th. That's what should have happened. Nobody leaves. Nobody takes their position. We, the people, are now taking it over until you hear this case. So we're satisfied that that evidence was real or not real. But you stole it. You lied. You cheated. You have razor barbed wire in the people's house. And you accused us of being terrorists. Now, I rejoice in it because the Bible says... Rejoice when they say all manner of evil against you. Ah, I'm trying. But it's not just me personally. It's what they called the American people. And these few people, the tail that wags the dog, the news media, they should all be arrested. 
They should be the ones that are held accountable for this sin-sick blasphemy. Washington, D.C. should be shut down. The people occupied until truth comes. Hollywood, shut down. Now, I wish that God, yes, hello, Madonna, I thought about blowing up the White House. Well, I wish God would send two comments. One would strike Hollywood. The other would strike D.C. Just big rocks. Boom, gone. hundred years from now, they're still trying to find it. That's what I wish. God is going to shake this nation at some point. My point, when righteous men do nothing, evil prevails. That's the word of God. January 6th should not have been a day that all the people that love the president of the United States, love this country, are Christians, are white, are conservatives, or otherwise, should never have been put in the limelight of being called deplorable, unfit for polite society, needed to be de-radicalized and reprogrammed. No, you need to be de-radicalized and reprogrammed. You need to be arrested. You need to get out of positions of power. That's the truth. And the cowards in this country, well, I don't think there are too many cowards. I think that the people were just doing the right thing. And if the president would have ever said, go get them, maybe they would have. Somebody right now needs to tell this country and the patriots of this country, you better fight right now because you're on the lily pad in the boiling pot and you're not going to be able to budge in a very short time. You will have nothing you could do. Better to go down fighting for what is right than to being overcome by what is absolutely hideous, evil, and wrong. That's the way it is. Then you say, well, how does that line up with the word of God? God is going to have his day with the nations of the earth. Father God is going to come out and punish the world for their iniquity. Isaiah 26 tells us all about it. And so do so many other scriptures. The seven vials of the wrath of God are going to be poured out on the nations of the earth. God is going to have his day. Talking about living in our country right now, that was designed by the founding fathers for righteous rulers. And now our little children, babies and children, after 90 million abortions of innocent blood being shed on the hands of our generation, now they're using these children to bloodlet them to get a high are you kidding me? But the Bible says we're not supposed to do anything. If you shut up, if you're quiet about this, oh, Pastor Vincent, you're going to get in trouble. For what? Telling the truth? I don't have a right to express my deep discontent with what's going on. Now, I'm not praying for America. It's under judgment. But what about the children? The judgment is the fabric being torn, which is the communistic agenda. They want to tear the fabric, and it's torn. It's ripped. And there's coming war 
And that war is not just going to be out there. That war is coming, according to this word of God, to this nation. And back in 2005, when that man said to me, war is going to break out in this country. Chinese troops, Russian troops, internal strife and violence. When the prophets told us about it, it's coming. But you know what? It absolutely needs to happen yesterday. They're not going to let, have you noticed, and I learned this from listening to one of the news channels, they're not going to let Joe Biden address this nation with the State of the Union address. Every president has already done it by now. It's March, and the new president hasn't spoken to anybody. Why? Because he can't. He can't face this nation for one hour. So they're keeping the whole COVID mask thing. Keep it masked. Social distancing. Can't do it. They don't want him to speak. And the left is going to take him out. And they're going to blame the conservatives, the Trump supporters. It's going to be the greatest false flag event probably before August. They're going to take Joe Biden out because they got to do something. Well, the president's got to speak some point in a State of the Union address, but he hasn't. something and they just keep going and if the people do nothing maybe get into your ark and just shut the door shut down the microphone say not another word disappear off the face of the earth but you needed to hear this first what they have spun and for the FBI and the CIA and the Homeland Security and the NSA and all the people that are supposedly protecting our country, you're protecting our country. You're protecting evil. You're protecting wickedness. If you haven't figured that out yet, you're just under the spell, demonically possessed by demon spirits. And woe to your soul in eternity. Well, politically, we're just going to ride it out. Two years, the Republicans will take it over again. Four years from now, Donald will run again and he'll be the next president. Oh, just let it keep going in time. We'll see. For me, my house, we're going to do what we've been doing. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And I'm just looking for direction. I'm looking for wisdom. I'm wanting to know exactly what to do to stop the insanity that's going on in this country. How to stop it. Not prolong it. Stop it. What is the answer? Maybe you have an answer. Call up your politician. Hey. If the church doesn't come up with a solution, It'll go into deeper captivity than it already is. And there won't be a real church. It'll be a false representation, mystery Babylon, the whore. Well, okay, that's how I feel. Maybe you could help me, talk to me. My way out of line, I'm a little out of line. How do you feel about it? 
What does the Holy Spirit say in your heart? I want to go to my Father in heaven. I want to say, Father, what can I do to stop this? Oh, there's no, there's no end. America's past the corner of no return. It's never going to be good again. But what about the little children that they're killing and, and indoctrinating along the way of their total death? What, what do we do? Isn't there something great, Father, that we can do? I'm looking for answers. You got one? You got an answer? 818-369-0326. Oh, I dare not speak it out loud. I don't want anybody to hear. You may as well. They're listening anyways. They know your algorithm. They know what you feel. They know. Speak it out. Get on the phone. Talk to God. What are you going to do about the problem? Nothing. Well, this is not a normal radio broadcast. But it's truth. The only truth I know. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare unto my people their sins. Okay? You know what the worst sin is? Living in it and not caring about it. Not caring that they're educating four to eight-year-olds with homosexual agenda stuff. That's horrible. Would to God there was a force, and there may not be one. And maybe this is the point where God says, I'll take over from here. I'm calling for a device against the nation. Step out of the way. I'll take it from here. And the righteous would be glad and they would rejoice that God will execute his judgment and say to this nation, oh, I've been here. I've been aware. I've watched. Now comes your day of accountability. For I will raise up a device against you that will bring you to an end. And the righteous will rejoice. Maybe until that moment, we have to warn the wicked, share the gospel, tell people about Jesus, repent of your sin like the rest of us have. Be angry and sin not. Hate what is evil. Abhor it. New covenant. Hate it. If you don't hate what's going on in this country, something's wrong with you question is, what do we do? The word voice in the Greek, in the New Testament, like Revelation, I heard a voice, means phone. It's the Greek word for phone, like a telephone. Lift up your voice. Make a phone call to God today. What do I do with this information? What do I do with this emotion? What do I do? What do I do? Pick up the phone. Call God today. Call unto me, and I will answer thee and show you great and mighty things that you know not. Fenced-in things, secret things. I need to make a phone call today. I need to talk to the high power of all creation. I will bring myself before the Lord with my conversation today. But I do not deny this is how I feel. 
And I want to know what I could do to stop this insanity that is now out of control. Maybe you want to do the same thing. Got a call coming in. I'll take the call. Area code 479-366. You're on the air. Good morning. God bless you. Welcome to the broadcast. Good morning. Um, the scripture you just uh, brought up about um, hating what is evil, um, does that not require action to back that very scripture um, of those that truly belong to God? And, you know, we, in Proverbs, it clearly says to... Um, defend those who are are appointed for destruction and um, for those that willingly did nothing we deserve we reap what we sow we we do nothing and we absolutely 100% deserve the righteous judgment of God for not doing anything and what's worse than the actual action of, of wickedness is when a church does nothing and a church that has lost its salt and light and rightfully so to be trodden under the foot of men. But there are within the remnant of a remnant that are truly being salt and light and the proof is in the fruit. Um, Holy Spirit, empower us to and to not idly stand by and watch. Okay. Very good. Yeah. Great comments. I appreciate those. Thank you so very much. Yeah. God bless you. And thank you for calling in. All right. Our number is always open. 818-369-0326. No more for the rest of the broadcast. I'm going to say goodbye for now. God bless you. Have a super blessed day. Pick up the phone, your voice, pray to God, talk to him. Let's get some answers. Let's get some answers till we meet again. I'm Vincent Xavier, pastor of New Wine Ministries. I want to thank everybody for supporting this ministry with your prayers and your finances. You could do so by going to our website at nwmglobal.org or omegaradio.org. There's a donate tab on both. You can minister in that way. May it be a tithe or an offering. That's what God asked for. I'm not going to donations. Tithe or offering. In Jesus' name, God bless you. We'll see you tomorrow, Lord willing. Until then, there's now coming up on our 24-7. By the way, got some great stuff on the omegaradio.org. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, great messages. There's a roundtable discussion right now, a new one, that you're not going to want to miss. Patricia Joy Xavier out of her book, Deliverance, the Christian Bill of Rights. Shalom. Omegaradio.org. See you tomorrow.